Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then suddenly the power dies on it. And then all the work that you've been doing has suddenly disappeared. Has that been anyone, anyone I've seen nodding? They're like, I can feel the pain. I know exactly what that is. How, or for maybe for some of the younger people in here, have you ever been playing a game? And you've been working really hard on this game. You've been playing it for a long time. You've worked through the story of the game. And then suddenly they, there's a power cut. And then all the hours that you've been spent are suddenly gone. It's a, such a frustrating feeling. It's so annoying. Uh, you are totally at the, he- the mercy of the machines. And I can tell that many of us in the room have been in those situations before where we've had those documents ripped away and suddenly you have another hours or a couple hours or even full like all-nighter session of working on that stuff again. But uh, why don't you turn to the person next to you and ask, have you saved your progress? Have you saved your progress? Very good. Now, today, uh, to save saving progress, the reason I'm saying it is because sometimes, like, I, when I'm thinking about the word, this word saved, there's a lot of things that come together. And one of the words that I'm wanting to focus on today is redeem, to redeem. So, Michael... What is the first thing that comes into your mind when you hear the word redeem? What does it mean? To buy back. At a price, okay? To buy back at a price. And so, and when I, so when I think about it, I, the first thing that, now, when I first thought about the word redeem, the, the, sadly, the first thing that came to my mind was an Amazon voucher that you, had to, <laughs> that you have to redeem the code. You have to put the code in online. And um, I, I, and I, I, but and so when I thought I had to put the code in, but when I asked, I asked Bethany, I says, "What do you think about the word redeem or redemption?" She said, "Shawshank redemption." And I was, but well, the Bible speaks an awful lot about this word redeem. It speaks an awful lot about redemption. Speaks an awful lot about these things. And there's so many different words as well for like to do with redeeming or redemption or to buy back. So for reclaim to regain. To, to buy off, to cash in, to get back. I like that one. Or another one is to atone, to compensate, or acquit. And I like all, I think that there's such a, it's a powerful word, word redeem. Um, now, when I used to think about redemption in the Bible, when I used to think about Jesus dying on the cross, I used to think about redemption and being made right, or something being made right. I used to think, Three things. These are three things I used to think. I'm a good person, so I'm all right. I've done nothing so to upset God, so we're all good. And everyone goes to heaven, so it's all right. Only bad people really go to hell. When I was younger, that was, that's what I thought. Has anyone else ever been in, in or have had those thoughts, they thought, when they were younger, that any of those, any of those, rec- like, you can uh, uh, think I agreed with when I was younger or had at one point? And I never, know, I never understood what it meant to be saved or redeemed. And I guess in a sense, I was a little like, there's a guy in the Bible called Nicodemus, right? And when he was, when he didn't get what it meant to be born again, 
he asked Jesus, and this is how this conversation went. So this is in John 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know, all, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if, you, if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then, will I, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn but to save the world through him. And I think when I read that whole passage again, John 3.16, probably one of the most famous Bible verses that people know. And I often forget that it comes at the back of this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. That he's, Nicodemus is this guy who's a religious leader and he's very confused about what it means to be saved. What, is, what does it mean for this relationship that you're talking about with God to be made right, to be redeemed? What does it mean for that to happen? And so he comes to Jesus at night. So his pals didn't see him. And so he comes to Jesus at night and he has this conversation with him and he's confused. I think, I reckon that he leaves this conversation with Jesus more confused than when he went in and he has a lot to think about. But when I think about this story, I think about what does it mean when I'm hearing the word redeemed? So earlier on, you heard me speak about when I thought about redeemed, I thought about an Amazon voucher and you all laughed, right? But the thing is, when you get an Amazon voucher an Apple voucher, or anything that has a code that needs to be inputted into an online thing, the the money isn't any use unless the code has been redeemed. An exchange and a transaction must occur in order for that value to be used. And I, and I believe that there should be a response in us regarding God's redeeming power. There needs to be an input from us. There needs to be a recognition of what's been said. There needs to be an action on our behalf. And I, so I, earlier on, I said those three, thought, three thoughts that I had about redemption, about being redeemed. I thought, I am a good person, so I'm all right. I thought, I have done nothing wrong to upset God, so we're all good. Everyone goes to heaven, so we're all right, and only bad people go to hell. But as I've learned, I've actually learned that all of those things, I can just chuck those in the bin. Because... I know how flawed I am. I need to accept. So the first one is accept, recognize that I'm so far off God's standard and the only way that I can 
get right with him. The only way that my relationship with him can be redeemed is through the grace of God and the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross. Action. I need to repent. I need to re- I've recognized I've done wrong, and I need to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for the way that I've lived my life, and I'm coming, I'm coming to you with my apologies and all of my, all, all my sin. I'm get, I'm want to, I want to get right with you. And so action and appreciate. And once that is done, we can appreciate the hope, the fullness, the reconciliation, the freedom that comes from life with Christ. His work on the cross has redeemed us and continues to do a redemptive work in our lives. And the way to redemption is exclusive. The only way to God's heart is an, is an in, sorry, redemption, the only way to God's heart is through the cross. I mean, and it's an exclusive thing. It's the only way. But God, God's heart is all-inclusive, meaning what Jesus did on the cross was for all. The door, the door is not shut to anyone. Anyone can come through Jesus to the cross, and all are welcome at his table. The Bible speaks about every single person is welcome at his table. And I think about the, the power of the cross, the significance of the, the cross. I was listening to a Billy Graham sermon. It was, cause it was called, What Does the Cross Mean to You? Now, I, I, it's the first time I've ever thought, oh, I'm going to listen to some really old sermon. So I listened to this one and I thought, hands, hands up if you've ever heard that sermon Billy Graham preached. It was like, what's the, what's the value of the cross? It's a really, I thought this is really, really powerful. And of course it was like, he's very, he's very, very good Billy Graham. He's done a lot of good stuff, right? And when I heard this, he spoke about, it's like Christianity, like the one thing that people of different They've got different beliefs about little different things all across the Christian faith. But the one thing they come under is the cross. They come under the cross, the redeeming, the redeeming power of the cross, the work that Jesus did for the whole of humanity that it speaks about at the end of that passage, the end of that conversation he has with Nicodemus. He speaks about God so loving the world. And Jesus, Jesus is the Redeemer. He is the Redeemer. He is the one that everyone comes... The whole earth comes under the power of that cross. There's not a single person that's exempt from what Jesus did at the cross. There's not a single person from what happened uh, on that Easter weekend that, is, that that doesn't apply. The cross applies to all of us. It's the only way. It's an exclusive way, but it's, it's all-inclusive. Everyone is welcome to come to Jesus. And he redeems us through the cross. He redeems us from all wickedness. Jesus is the redeemer. He redeems us from all wickedness. This is what it says in Titus 2 verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave his life, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself all a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Redemption isn't, a, isn't just about saving us from the past to be assured about our, but it's to be assured about our future. Redemption offers us a great reset. That redeem, redemption, redemption. And it says, we have been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom, but we've also been redeemed from fruitlessness and worldly passions, but, but part of the inheritance that comes from redemption of God's, as God's spirit that's, re, that's deposited as well to each of us to teach and empower and to live godly lives through the power of the cross, like we've been redeemed, that we've been redeemed from wickedness. We've been rescued from darkness is the second part. 
We've been rescued from darkness. Colossians 1 verses 13 to 14. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when Paul was writing this, an Israelite reading these words would associate them with Exodus, right? God swooped in and rescued the Israelites and from their slavery and their chains in Egypt, and he led them to the promised land that would become their home. And, and Jesus, so Exodus then becomes a metaphor for a spiritual problem that God's redemptive work had solved. Namely, how could he rescue his whole creation from a sinful kingdom that they have often willfully embraced? How could he reconcile himself with people who belong to another kingdom? But Jesus went into this dark dominion, took upon himself the punishment for humanity's sins, and then act ransomed, and, and then this act ransomed them from the enemy's kingdom and brought them into the kingdom of God. We've been rescued from darkness through the redemptive work of the cross. There's so much, so many powerful things, and when we think about this redemptive work that Jesus did on the cross, it's good to remind ourselves of this. It's good to remind ourselves of the things that Jesus frees us from through the power of the cross. And the, one of the other things that I think is Jesus redeems kingship. Now, are any fans of the royals in here? Is there anybody like quite like the royal family, like to keep up to date with what's going on? Anyone excited for the king's coronation that's coming up soon? Got their like, well, it's, it's, this is a very divided room. <laughs> I can tell. Right, but anyway, we, we went up to Balmoral recently, and um, it was very, like, we kind of did a tour, like, and it was, I found it, it's very strange, like, because we kind of went in, it was a very good experience, but you're going through, and it's kind of like you've got, because they've got, like, family pictures on the wall and stuff like that of, like, their holidays, so we bit like, going through somebody else's holiday home and, like, looking at all their pictures, it's a bit strange, but when we're talking about kingship, right, Jesus is the king of kings, and where does that, what's that come from? So, Israel got their first king, when we, we read about this in 1 Samuel 8 verses 1 to 9, where Israel are demanding a king. They're demanding a king because they see other nations have a king. They see how their judges that were in charge were not doing such a good job, and so they see these other nations, and they think, we want a king. And so this is what it says in 1 Samuel verses 8 to 1 to 9. It says, when Samuel became old, he appointed his son's judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and he, the name of his second was Ab- Ab- uh, Abijah. Tried, I tried, people, right? They were judges in Beersheba. His sons did not follow Samuel's example. Instead, they pursued dishonest gain, took bribes, perverted justice. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They told him, look, you're old. My goodness, how brutal is that? You're old, and your sons don't follow your example. So appoint a king to govern us all the, like all the other nations. Samuel was displeased when they said, give us a king to govern us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told Samuel, listen to the people and all that they, have, they, they say to you. In fact, it's not you that they've rejected, but rather they have rejected me from being their king. Like all things they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this very day, they have forsaken me and followed other gods. They are do- also doing the same thing to you. Now listen to them. But you are to clearly warn them and inform them about how the king who rules over them will operate. 
And it goes on to say to where they adopted Saul as the king. And his, uh, his downfall was quite something. And his kingship, his story of kingship was very, 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 very strange. And actually, when you go through the whole of Israel's history, they have some good kings and they have some bad kings. It's never really like a consistent thing that they have. And kings is not, so we can see here that the king is not an idea that came from God. Other, other people had this idea of king. The other people had this idea of their king, somebody coming to rule their country, somebody coming to rule their land. But God comes in and redeems it. When Jesus, the Messiah, came as a king, the king arrived, he was not what the people expected at all. He was a pain for the Roman and Jewish leaders. He came as a king of a different type of kingdom. We spoke about the king the, being rescued from darkness, being rescued from wickedness. Jesus came as a king. He redeems kingship because he came as a, he came as a king of a different type of kingdom. And Jesus redeems kingship as the king of kings by taking the ultimate throne and allowing us to come to him instead of pulling us in by force. He asks us to come into his kingdom and shows us his servant heart and his love and his kindness and compassion. Whereas you look at some of these other kings that ruled Israel, and some of them ruled with an iron fist. Some of them said, you have to come and, and worship me. Jesus says, no, it's like, come to me. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be the servant king. I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to show you compassion. I'm going to show you this upside down kingdom where it's not the top dog. In fact, it's the least that will be the greatest of you. It's, it's the servant of all. Jesus redeems kingship by saying, do you know what? And actually, that's one of the reasons why I, I just love Jesus so much because you can see he's not like any other person that, they, that we see in, in the Bible. He is so much more than that. He shows this kindness through the way that he lives his life. And he asks us to follow him, not because of how great he is, but because of his love for us, because of his love for us. And Jesus redeems his people. Psalm 111, verses 6 to 9. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And Psalm 111 tells us that not only are the things God does faithful and true, but also his law is trustworthy. We can trust God. The works of the Lord's hands and the words he has spoken are established in faithfulness and uprightness. But what exactly does that mean? Are these, are these things found in God's consistent, faith, consistent faithfulness? Yes, but there's more. The very next psalm tells us that the righteousness of the upright endures forever. God's works and word are not only established forever in his character, but also in ours. This, one, this is one reason that redemption is so crucial, because the work at the cross is, is, is powerful, but we also need to accept it so that, the cross can, that Jesus can do a work in our lives and that his redemptive work can, can continue to work, you see, because it's not a it's not a one and done. It's a process. There's a process that we need to go through. God's redemptive work is still at work in our lives. God has never desired condemnation. He desires reconciliation. And sometimes I, I don't know, but some people grow up and they think that God is just this this person in person in the clouds with a big 
white beard that wants to like tell you how to live your life and he wants to condemn you and tell you all the things that he's done wrong in your life. But actually, that's totally opposite of what we see in Jesus at the cross. He wants to show love and kindness. He wants to be reconciled with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to do life with us. And I think there's something powerful about that and this redemptive work that Jesus does. And in John chapter 4, we hear about this woman. There's a woman at the well. And she, she's a Samaritan woman. She goes to this well in the middle of the day when nobody else is looking. Kind of like how Nicodemus came at night when none of his friends were looking. But this Samaritan woman came in the middle of the afternoon with the heat of the day to go and draw water from the well. And Jesus is there and he asks this, this, this woman, will you give me a drink from the well? She's like, you have nothing to draw with. And Jesus says, if you knew who was standing here, you would have asked me for a drink. You would have asked me for a drink of living water. And this woman is totally, like, enamored by this. She's like, if, if I drink this living water, I'll never be thirsty again. It's like, well, let me, let me have some. It's like, but, and then Jesus begins to, t- this, t- this woman begins to, to say, you don't know my, my story, but Jesus does know her story. And he begins to unpack her whole life story, her promiscuity, who begins to tell of but, uh, the, the person that she's had so many husbands, but the person that she's living with now is not her husband. And she's, she's never met Jesus before in her life, but Jesus knows the whole story. And so when Jesus is saying he's offering living water, he's offering reconciliation for this woman. He's saying, you can come to me. I know what you've done, and I don't condemn you, but I want to open, I want to give you a gift of living water. And why I, th- I think to myself, why living water? Why, why that? Because water, water doesn't seem appealing until you're dehydrated. For most people, water isn't their first choice on their list of drinks. Why would it be? It's, it's not appealing. It's no flavor. There's much more appealing drinks that you can, you can choose. Coffee. Coffee lovers, put your hands in the air. Yep. Tea. Any tea? Tea drinkers? Yep, some tea drinkers. Iron brew? Right, now the real question. Diet Coke, put your hands in the air. Okay. Full fat coke. All right, okay, it's, it's pretty equal. But there's much more appealing drinks that you can go and choose. And but here's the thing: the healthiest for you isn't often wanted until it's needed. And the challenge is that sometimes that's how we treat Jesus. He's the living water, but sometimes we don't come to him unless he's needed. Sometimes we think there are no redemptions there. I know the work of the cross is there, but I'm going to go and do my own thing for a little while. And when it's, we really, really need it, we come back and we say, do you know what, Jesus, I need some of that. But the moment we find ourselves in an emergency, we run to the water, the thing that keeps us alive. But if we kept drinking the water in the first place, we would never find ourselves dehydrated. There's a choice that we have to make when it comes to accepting what Jesus wants to do in our lives. We have to keep coming to him. And I know that there's times in our life when we sometimes forget that and we've got, we can get busy. But we should always try and check in with what Jesus wants to do in our lives. So can I ask the band to come up now? Water brings life. Water, requi- water is required for things to live. We have to choose to come to the well. All these things about Jesus' redemptive, Jesus's redemptive power, all the things about how Jesus redeems aspects of our life, I believe that Jesus can redeem mental health. I believe that Jesus can redeem sickness. I believe that Jesus can redeem parts of our lives that we're we're so broken that we never think they can come back. I believe the power of the cross covers all of that. And are we willing to come and say, do you know what? 
in my weakness, in my dehydrated, I'm going to come to the living water. I'm going to come to the cross. I'm going to say, I need your help, Jesus. I think it's such a powerful thing when you see God reconciling with people, when God reconciles with, in these stories in the Bible, he doesn't come to condemn, he comes to bring life, he comes to bring uh, joy, he comes to bring hope. And you see that in this story. When this woman, the woman at the well, when she told, when Jesus spent some time with her and they had their conversation, she told, he told her, told her who, she, who he was, she ran away and told everyone, wait till you see who I've met. Wait till you see what I've been told about living water. Wait till you, wait till you meet the person that I've come to know. So why don't we all bow our, bow our heads and close our eyes? Because we all have a choice to make. Are we going to come at the well this morning? Are we going to drink from the water? Are we going to embrace that living water, that redemptive power of the cross? So maybe there's somebody in this room that's, that said, you know what, I've never really thought of Jesus as wanting to reconcile with me, that he wants to have a relationship with me, that he wants to be part of my life. I've always seen him as that, that condemner, but he doesn't condemn at all. He comes and he brings love, and he wants to give you the same living water. He wants to bring life to your life. If you feel like you've been drained, dehydrated, feel like you're at your end, Jesus wants to bring life. So if that's you in this place and you say, do you know what? I'm going to give Jesus my life. I'm going to decide to follow him. If that's you in this place, I just want you to raise your hand up quickly and put it back down on the count of three. And I believe that's one of the best decisions that you can make in your life. So on the count of three, one, two, three. And for those of us in the room, I pray that we will be people that keep coming to the cross, that keep coming to the well, that keep coming to back to Jesus for the living water. Father, I pray for every single person in this room. I pray that we would be people that come to you and re- recognize the power that you did on the cross, recognize the redemptive work that is still going on in our life. And Lord, I pray that we will keep coming to you, that we will keep coming to you, drink after drink, sip after sip, for all the things that you have in store for us. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.